New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Before spirituality became a religion, before at-one-ment became atonement, before the power that every human holds as co-creator became subverted by religious politics and power, we understood how we are connected in ways we have long since forgotten. We understood our relatedness with all living things, and we knew the responsibility that this relatedness brings with it. We have mainly forgotten this message. It is time to remember it now. These are the words of our guest today, Don Oscar Miro Quesada. Oscar Miro Quesada is the respected Camasca Corandero and shamanic adept from Peru and has been guiding cross-cultural ethno-spiritual apprenticeship expeditions to sacred sites of the world since 1986, with special emphasis on Peru and Bolivia. He's been a popular faculty member at numerous U.S. colleges and universities. He originated the Pachacuti Mesa tradition of cross-cultural shamanism and is the founder of the Heart of the Healer Foundation. His works and programs have been featured on CNN, Univision, A&E, and the Discovery Channel. He's the co-author with Bonnie Glasscoffin of Lessons in Courage, Peruvian Shamanic Wisdom for Everyday Life. Join us for the next hour as we explore the importance of cross-cultural shamanism and how it can heal our planet with our guest Don Oscar Miro Quesada. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Don Oscar, welcome to New Dimensions. Thank you so much, Justine. It's a true honor to be here in your presence and the presence of all of our relatives, seen and unseen, that sustain our sacred earth walk upon Pachamama, upon our beloved Gaia. And uh, I am here to share with you as you know, having invited me, a story uh, that is a journey of all souls, a story of a passerby. A story of a passerby, a passerby who's been very, very directed and throughout your life. And I'd like to talk a little bit about your early life. You, you grew up where, in Peru or in, in the U.S., kind of a combination, didn't you? 
yes, I was born and spent all of my early life until I was 18 years old in Peru. Born in Lince, which is outside of Lima. And my father uh, worked for the National Institutes of Health. He was a public servant that dedicated himself to the welfare of very rural, unprivileged peoples in the uh, Chiclayo, in the Huaraz, and in the uh, Pucallpa area, which are coast, high Andes, and Amazon. So since I was a year and a half, I grew up in these very remote rural areas. And then when I was four and a half, came back to Lima, the capital, and spent the rest of my early uh, life there. Following that, uh, I did come to the United States, yet every year I would return to Peru at least two or three months to continue my uh, mentorship with uh, Don Celso Rojas Palomino, my first maestro my first uh, human teacher, and uh, that lasted until 1982. So all of my family is still in Peru. My soul is there as well. Yes, yes. You early on had a visitation. First of all, I, you had a disability. You had severe asthma, and that I know is very difficult. I know my my late husband, Michael, grew up with asthma, and he's described it as it's a very, very difficult thing because you can't even catch your breath, and not to be able to breathe is a very difficult thing. Um, so you have that, but you also had a visitation early on. I think you were eight years old or something like that. Can you describe that visitation? Uh, certainly. Um, most human beings encounter great challenges in their life, especially during their formative years that are pivotal rites of passage. And so when I share about my own challenges, uh, I don't want to make it seem as if they were lesser or greater than other people's. Having asthma at that level of severity with hypoxia in Lima was quite a, a ruthless experience given that I was uh, on IV drips of dexamethasone just to be able to breathe. So because of that condition, I was not able to have a, quotes, normal, unquotes, childhood. Hence, my father, uh, being a physician, decided to take me to a higher uh, ground, which is uh, the village of Chosica in the central uh, uh, mountains of Peru, 11,000 feet. And when I got to that altitude, I was able to breathe a little better, yet it wasn't a complete resolution. So as a result of being 10 years old and spending an entire year up in this high village uh, of the Andes, um, I started to uh, open up to other experiences. I was very isolated. It was a very lonely time. My mother lived with me. My father would go to Lima all week, come on weekends. And during one of the uh, attacks, asthmatic attacks I had, where I started to lose my breath completely, I remember myself sliding away and disappearing into the dark. And I was dead, basically. And... I became very, very cold 
And all of a sudden, I heard my nickname at the time being called in the distance. And I remember remaining very vigilant about the source of that call. And lo and behold, was able to take a deep gasp of air and was fully conscious again. And when I opened my eyes in the distance, I experienced three shimmering forms, which I call the shining ones. And they were three very tall, wizened, luminous beings, the typical archetype of the wise old man that you hear about in Jungian tales and Jungian uh, writings of the archetypal realm. And yet they were of an infinite compassion and an extraordinary presence of just knowing that everything would be okay, that everything was being taken care of. And it's a very elaborate story that you may be able to uh, enjoy reading in its fullness in the book. Yet, to summarize, two of them flanked me on my left and my right while I was in my bed, and one of them stood in front of me, and they were communicating telepathically with me. The one to my left bent over, placed his lips to my chest, and began to inhale, to suction, to do a a, a, a chupa, what we call in curanderismo, to do an extraction through the breath that felt like it was eternal, this And I felt my entire body opening up and releasing all of the toxicity and trauma of even before that, because in my early age, I also experienced uh, sexual abuse that was quite traumatic that I had not reconciled with at that time. And my family was quite uh, unhealthy for numerous reasons, and I was exposed to a quite uh, entertaining yet painful childhood. That came out with the asthma too. All of that weight, what we call hucha, or uh, psychic density, was extracted. Not only the physical condition of the asthma, and it was just offered up to the heavens through this wide opening in the ceiling that looked like I was staring into infinity. And at that point, I was able to breathe, I was able to see clearly, I was able to feel my heart beat fully strong. And at that point, the being that was directly in front of me started to telepathically communicate and transmit what they were doing there, who they were, and show me all of the pivotal moments of my adult life everything that would happen. And uh, then I was asked to close my eyes, relax, and I fell asleep. The next day I woke up. I had no recollection of that encounter whatsoever. I told my mother, I don't have asthma anymore, Mom. Oh, you're kidding. (laughs) I went outside, started jumping, went down to the river, playing on the river rocks, And my father came a couple days after, checked me out, was amazed. I did not need any more uh, dexamethasone, you know, to to breathe. And uh, brought me back to Lima to be 
seen by the experts, pulmonary experts, and they confirmed uh, that uh, there wasn't a trace of asthmatic condition in my system anymore. So we moved back to Lima, and that was that was it. I, from then on, I had some interesting experiences. And then the story is that in a in my first ritual encounter with my mentor, Don Celso Rojas Palomino, the, my first formal traditional shamanic ceremonial initiation, those three same shining ones emerged out of the central of his altar space. And he elbowed me and he said, do you remember them? Mm. So he was seeing them as well. And that goes into a whole other phase of my apprenticeship. Right. And in how did you meet him? What what caused you to start to work with your first mentor, Don Celso? Yes. In the tradition of uh, uh, the north coast of Peru, curanderismo is a shamanic folk healing that uh, integrates pre-Columbian uh, cosmology and healing practices and wisdom as well as folk Catholicism. So it's a very syncretic tradition. And uh, they imbibe a, a, a plant medicine that uh, is visionary in nature, the San Pedro cactus. And it is Tricuserios Pachanoi, it's its botanical name, but it's used in a very, very sacred manner. We're going to talk more about this sacred plant and your work with Don Celso. I'm here with Don Oscar Miracasada, and he is the co-author with Bonnie Glass Kaufman of Lessons in Courage, Peruvian Shamanic Wisdom for Everyday Life. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Don Oscar Miro Quesada, and we're talking about shamanism and why it's important in this time and, and ritual and why that's important for us to tap into as human culture. So, Don Oscar, um, you met your mentor, Don Celso, and at one point, you all, he, he gave you all an assignment and you went out into the desert and having to cross some government land when times in Peru were very, very uh, tumultuous. And can you describe that? Certainly. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd very much enjoy giving you a rendition of that uh, very uh, 
unusual event. Yet before that, Justine, I'd like to mention that the way I came upon Don Celso was not because I had chosen to become an apprentice, but simply because it was the 60s and I was very interested in non-ordinary states of consciousness and using that plant spirit, San Pedro, was my motivation. Little did I know that I was in for something much greater. So to fast forward. I just, I just want to, I know you described it in the book. I mean, you were a surfer dude, you know, and you come up to this guy with your surfer friends and, you know, just in that kind of lighthearted way, mm-hmm. little knowing what you were getting into. Uh, exactly. And when he saw us, he said, you, 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 get out of here, you stay. And he was pointing to me. So that was the beginning. And that same night is when the same three be- luminous beings that healed me of my asthma and restored my sense of purpose, really, as a child, uh emerged out of his mesa, out of his ritual altar. He saw it, reminded me, and at that point, my world was turned upside down, as you can imagine, and everything I had forgotten at age 10 was transmitted back. And we can talk about that in a moment. Yet, as part of my apprenticeship with Don Celso, there were several uh, unexplainable events that occurred that are perfect examples of the how thin the veil is between seen and unseen worlds, between material and spiritual universes, and how shamanism is pivotal in helping us enter into that state of interdependent relationship with the entire web of creation, not just our sensorially based apperception of this three-dimensional earth. So many of these events, and the one you're referring to during the time of the General Velasco, during the military coup, took place in a moonless night where the San Pedro cactus is not supposed to flower. And Don Celso told us we need to go and harvest this cactus this particular night, even though it's not a full moon because that's when it flowers. And the reason being is he had a large group coming up from Lima that he needed a lot of very good medicine for. So we went into the valley, which is the area where he lives at Chongoyape River Valley, and what usually takes a day of a journey is turned into three days. It was El Nino, the year. So everything, the landscape was totally changed. We ended so up, the weather pattern The was, weather pattern was, was had diff- destroyed the, the valley, basically, the rains, the torrential rains, and then the, the drought. So the markers that we usually knew were to be there weren't around. Yet there's always a reason for these things. And Don Celso was a very wise man, and he knew that if we would have gotten there before uh, those three days, the conditions to allow our safety would have not been present. In other words, the spirit wisdom of the plant itself, our protector, San Perito is our protector, uh, would have not been able to create the cover necessary for us not to be detected by the military that was guarding that very uh, secret area that they had. So we enter, finally reach our destination, 
and we see these extraordinary samperos, and so we start to do our our offerings, our our haiwas, which is a, a an expression of gratitude and of sacred reciprocity, because you don't just take the medicine. You, there's a specific way you cut it to remain, to, so it remains growing. And so you enter into sacred reciprocity with the wisdom of the plant. You become one with it. And during that moment of doing our haiwas, doing our offerings, Don Cecil says, still yourselves. Don't breathe. S- sit still. And so we all did. And as you read in the book... Uh, we maintained ourselves motionless. And at a distance, we heard the rumbling of trucks of jeeps, and it was the military that was coming upon us. If they would have caught us, we would have been accused of spying and by not only court-martialed, but, uh, fi- you know, fusibles, you know, a firing squad. So uh, we, we stilled ourselves, and uh, the veil separated between worlds, I don't want to be reductionistic by giving a, a, a physics interpretation of the wormhole that was created, but obviously we passed through into a parallel dimension and disappeared. So I could feel my body, yet my sombra, my activated soul body, was in this parallel world, very similar to this one, yet without the military and their dogs. And they're sniffing around. And it was a a remarkable experience. After about five or ten minutes, you know, in those moments, time just expands and and morphs. One of the dogs was like, I could feel its breath, its warm breath on my left ear. And they were barking right in our faces. The, the, The officers were saying... They must be around here somewhere. Let's, they're not here. Let's go. We'll look somewhere else. They got up and they left in their Jeeps. And so uh, that was one episode of uh, uh, a handful of very remarkable uh, experiences that indicate how really fluid uh, our experience of being in the world can be. And... Uh, and how important it is for a shamanic life way to help us reach that level of consciousness again so that we understand the great blessing and the beauty that it is to walk a path of service uh, not attached only to surviving in this world. Those sorts of experiences must have done some something for your young self. Uh, can you describe that when you would go through these experiences? You, you, there must have been a powerful transformation in your whole way of being. Oh, well, certainly. Uh, and uh, I offer great thanks to the originating mystery for doing so or helping me through that. Like with all transformative experiences, my, my understanding of transformation is a crossing over. It's just like a death. One, to truly transform, to shape-shift, to embrace another 
being, not only as an ontological state or a phenomenological process, yet as a as an an experience of the immediacy of that ultimate ground that bonds us all, one need not have any attachment to life or death. And so therefore, the transformative experiences I had as a result of my shamanic apprenticeship, what have it's done is allowed me to just encounter or or walk through life with love for this is more than just courage in terms of the inner strength that that word defines or that heart it's about love teaching love by the way you live and so transformation in a way that allows the progression of a soul this is my own take on things is all about love, capital L. In the Pachacuti Mesa tradition of cross-cultural shamanism, we understand that consciousness begets matter, language begets reality, ritual begets relationship, nature begets purpose, and love begets life. And that's what I'm here to teach. That, that's a powerful, powerful statement. And I would love for you to break it down a little bit for us because you, you, you say consciousness, you started off, consciousness begets matter and language begets reality. So can you break that down for us a little bit? Certainly. Um, boy, uh, in Andean and coastal shamanism that is still practiced in Peru, the notion of ajayo is very prevalent. It means the call, the vocation. It's the, uh, everyone's born with an ajayo, with a, 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 a destiny, if you may say, say, without being teleological. And hence, to answer that question, I must first establish the fact that um, consciousness we understand as soul not as anything that is related to mind, but as so soul. So it's not that normal mind chatter stuff. No, on the contrary. Consciousness is, a, is being in an embrace of imminence of the perfect blessings in the present moment. When, one, when I open up and commune with that moment, the material universe is informed with that blessing, with that freedom. And hence, what unfolds in the world of matter becomes basically a, a reflection of whatever I choose to experience in that unitary state of being. You know? So that's why to activate one's relationship, one's individual soul in relationship to the world soul, the Atman to the Brahman, as the Jagat, as the manifest world, to use some Hindu uh, uh, equivalences, uh, is the task of all passerbys on this planet. So if your state of awareness is responsible for the material world that you experience and also co-create in relationship with others, the language that you use 
molds that reality. So, so mind, words word, has, and action. Words have power, in other words. They always have. Yeah. Let's talk more about unpacking that phrase in just one moment. I'm here with Don Oscar Miro Quisada. He's the co-author with Bonnie Glasscoffin of Lessons in Courage, Peruvian Shamanic Wisdom for Everyday Life. And if you'd like to know more about his work, you can go to his website, heartofthehealer.org. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Don Oscar Miro Quesada, and we're talking about <laughs> consciousness begets matter, language begets reality. And the third part of that, which is so, so important, and to all of your work, uh, you say ritual begets relationship. And uh, out of that, you have developed something called the Pachacuti Misa tradition. So can you tell us what that's about? How many days do we have? I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I, I feel <laughs> apologetic about that's the fun. limited time we have. This is a very deep subject because it, uh, it is uh, timeless. And uh, so if I could uh, just... Have your listening audience close their eyes and imagine a nautilus shell, the, the imprint of that sacred spiral. Some of you may know it as the Fibonacci sequence. And imagine the imprint of that on freshly packed sand by the seashore. And imagine the tide rising and erasing that imprint back into the mother ocean. That ebb and flow, that pulsing, that cyclical movement is what ritual is all about. Replicating those patterns, those pulses, those tonalities, those prescribed orders in both time and space, in a manner that mirrors the sanctity of the entire creative sphere, develops relationship with every part of the sphere, regardless of scale. So you enter into a huge family, a huge tribe of beings that you see with your open eyes and beings that you dream of through your imagination. And in both cases, they are your allies. They are your relatives. And that's why so many tribal nations say, all my relations, you know. Because without that connection, without that ritualized expression 
of the beauty and grace that we have been provided to witness on this in the natural world. Without an appreciation of that, our relationships suffer and we are estranged from the sacred dimension of life. And that is what's going on on planet now. So I cannot overemphasize the need to restore our ritual selves and establish relationships of sacred reciprocity and sustenance to both the inner and the outer self, the above, the below, and the individual to the world. In in this tradition, as you lay out, it's not, you, you point out, it's not a medicine wheel. It is this spiral, this golden spiral that has directions south, mm-hmm. west, north, east, and then the center. And uh, can you say something about the uh, five principles of this Misa? S- certainly. And those interested in deepening their understanding can go to the heart of the healer.org to look at that in more depth. I just want to tell our listeners that you really have it in in exquisite detail exactly how to lay this out in the prayers that go with it. It's so I I encourage people to go to the book to really grasp this concept, but I'd Thank I'd you. love for you to say something about it. Uh, certainly. The Pachakuti Mesa the term Pachakuti itself, Pacha means world, place, space, being. Ultimately, it means consciousness or bardo. And Kuti means reversal or turning. So Pachakuti means world reversal or cosmic transformation. So that medicine ground is meant to elicit transformative relationships with both the physical and non-physical world. It is aligned with the Southern Cross. That is why you enter through the South. In the South is the realm of matter. It's the body. In the West, it's heart, emotion. In the North, it's spirit. In the East, it's mind. And in the center, it's soul. So you have body, emotions, spirit, mind, and soul, which also have the quintessence in terms of the alchemical elements. Earth, water, air, fire, and quintessence or ether. So when you start to work the ceremonial arts in that prescribed order, what you're doing is you're moving from the south in a spiral pattern around that curls into the center. You are replicating that universal form that is ubiquitous on all scales of creation. So you're talking about like on a cellular level uh, and all the way out all to, to the universe. Macro the and microcosmic. Galaxies. And, and it takes uh, not an understanding of these things from a scientific or religious perspective, but just a willingness to enjoy yourself and bring beauty to your world by practicing ceremony. So just like an alchemical transmutation process, when you raise the vibrational frequency of the solid, of the material world, it becomes aqueous or water. So from south to emotions, water. When you raise the vibration of that state of more fluid, liquid being, it goes to gas, to spirit. When you raise it even more, it goes to the fourth state of matter, which is plasma, mind, fire. 
And then the fifth state of matter, which is known as the Higgs boson condensate, but I'm not even going to say that, <laughs> popularly known as dark matter or dark space, which is the realm of soul, which is the most ubiquitous throughout the universe, as well as it's that void within the self that leads us to liberation when we are able to still ourselves sufficiently and enter into it. So I'm just, I'm just imagining, I'm getting the idea, when, we, when scientists are saying, well, actually space is full of dark matter, that it's not this empty space, then you're equating that with some sort of consciousness. Exactly. Spot on, Justine. That's exactly what it's about. And pacha means just that. The ability to generate consciousness, capital C, on a consistent basis from which the material universe will be an expression of the amount of love that you carry on your earth walk. As self, so the world, you know? So we are co-creators here. Is that what you're saying? Uh, once again, to, to be able to articulate something that is so ineffable in a way that uh, conveys the, the experience itself uh, uh, is a bit of a challenge. Yet the best thing I can say is this, based on those five directions. Soul remembers. The heart leaps. The spirit awakens. The mind knows. The body follows. So if you do the reverse from the center out to the south, what you're doing is you're going in a counterclockwise direction. Everything counterclockwise opens up and releases, just like un unscrewing a lid of a jar. Counterclockwise, you pour out the contents of the jar. When you do it clockwise, you harness, you seal. So depending on the direction of which you do your rituals, you either harness the powers, the sacred forces of the universe, or you transmit them and release them. And when you start with the soul from the center and clockwise spiral outward, you're releasing the power of that dark matter through all the other expressions of the material universe into the earth third dimensional plane. So you infuse the earth with soul living soul. That's how these things work. So, Don Oscar, um, what is the importance of repeating the ritual? Like, you don't just, all right, set this up and do it once. You talk about that this is something that we need to, well, you, you advise that we could choose to repeat this, maybe on a weekly basis, or how... how it's entirely up to the degree of yearning that each individual has and how much restoration they feel, personal restoration they feel from doing it. Yet, yes, anything that you repeat any, is a form of sadhana. Any spiritual practice is a practice because you practice it, right? So I always encourage uh, having some form of regularity. That generates, as you well know, using uh, Rupert Sheldrake's term, morphic resonance. And, you know, and, and allows 
it to draw from millennia of the same type of practice that began with the mystery schools, the hermetic orders, and all of the, uh, you know, original people's shamanic initiatory uh, 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 tribal uh, gatherings from the first time this planet was seeded. So we are bringing in the past, allowing it to be present with all of its power and all of its ancestry, in the future and opening up a possibility of uh, living a more ritual-based, earth-honoring path on this planet when we do these things. So repetition is important to keep it alive. And you have something called the Wednesday Link. Can you say something about that? Yes, Wednesday Night Link-Up is... um, is people that are Pachacuti Mesa carriers all over the world that have been initiated into these arts, uh, wherever they are, from 9 to 10, ideally if you don't have that time, from 9.45 p.m. to 10 o'clock, whatever your time zone is, you activate your Pachacuti Mesa altar ground and all of your artes, all of your sacred items. They're like your relatives, they have a life of their own. They have a history of their own. They, they're conscious beings. You bring them into your own, you know, uh, space. Use incense, uh, uh, aromatic waters, whatever. Tone the directions three times as, as customary. And then for five minutes, just go within deeply. And with your palms facing the center of your altar ground, hold with the most purity of intention and clarity of motive, an outcome, well, not necessarily an outcome because you want to turn over the outcome, but a, a, uh, an expression of what is the most beautiful and graceful vision of the earth and its people and its relationship to the cosmos that you can. The more harmonious and the more... Um, embellished it is with heart, the more loving, the more extraordinary the service to the unseen world and to the Seke network or the planetary uh, luminous body that sustains us. I'm here with Don Oscar Miro Quesada, and he's the author of Lessons in Courage, Peruvian Shamanic Wisdom for Everyday Life. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Don Oscar Miro Quesada. He spells his name M-I-R-O dash 
Q-U-E-S-A-D-A, Oscar Miroquesada. So, uh, and in the book is Lessons in Courage. It's uh, co-authored by Bonnie Glass-Coffin. Don Oscar, um, there is a section in the book in a part of your life where you met someone, uh, Sexto Paz Wells, and I would love for you to describe that meeting because it's a big piece that is part of your experience. Certainly. Um, throughout my sojourn on this good earth, um, as every other two-legged, encounters with remarkable men or meetings with remarkable men, to borrow Gurdjieff's title, uh, occur. And this was one such meeting. And this was a young man that in 1974 had had a psychographic or uh, automatic writing come through him from these beings that originally were from the star system Orion that had to leave because of the expansion of their son Rigel, their planetary system, and settle in Ganymede, which is Cooper's largest moon, on an artificial colony there. And this may sound totally incredulous to the listening audience and may dismiss me as uh, non-reliable in my experience of life, yet it is my life. And I speak this with great honesty and certitude in my soul that it must be told. That's why it's in the book. So my encounter with Sixto came after a, uh, again, unusual uh, being led to a pamphlet that explicated all of the intention of the Rama mission, R-A-M-A, which is a UFO contactee group that is scheduled. It's the only contactee group in the world that I know of that receives the date, the time, the place, and the people who should be at a particular place to have contact with these Relatives, star relatives are part of the hoop. They're part of the sphere of, of interdependent relationships. And they have been depicted in Paleolithic cave painting uh, drawings and modern abstract expressionist art uh, because it's an inherent part of our human psyche. And they may be even in the Bible, Ezekiel and uh, Isaiah. Exactly. There's a description that could be interpreted Correctly. as a visitation of star people. Exactly. And and so the Rama mission differs from most of the UFO contactee groups in which that it does not uh, emphasize that physical dimension of the contact experience. It's much more about contact with oneself. You say Rama es contacto con uno mismo. Rama is contact with oneself. So the 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 you know the phenomena, the external phenomena of the sighting itself is really just like seeing an eagle circle overhead. It's a validation, a confirmation that you're on the right track. No big deal. The actual experience of being able to understand that what you're seeing is yourself in the future. All our star relatives are just us in the future. In an evolved, more uh, luminous, 
expression of universal consciousness. That is our birthright. So in meeting Sixto, many of the ideas and experiences I had with the unseen world were verified by Sixto, who upon meeting me described things about my youth and my past that nobody could have known and invited me to go on an outing even though I would, had just met him. And these outings were only open to people who had completed 22 specific practices to prepare one for contact. And so in that outing, we went into the Chilka Desert and uh, I was once again transformed or formed into transcendence because what occurred were three craft showed themselves in the sky after we had already understood that it was contact with ourselves and radiated three beams of light into the desert floor which in turn created a semicircular dome of light through which seeks to walk and disappeared and came back out about a half an hour later with a beard growth of about a week. Mm-hmm. That's just one of, that was my first experience with the Rama mission and this. Yet subsequently I realized that the Shining Ones, that had been a pivotal part of my development at age 10, then again in sustaining my apprenticeship with Don Celso Rojas Palomino in the northern coastal town of Salas, and now of my meeting with Sixto, had been behind this, and they were all part of myself. They were an expression of the divine trinity that you see in all of the natural world. And because of my openness to approaching these unusual phenomena with an open heart and a loving disposition, they have become an integral part of my service path on earth. And hence, my motto is, the soul remembers, yet the body transforms. Through dreaming, we create. Through study, we refine. By doing, we learn. In loving, we fulfill. Thus, is the secret to tending to the sacred garden of our soul. So when you, when you talk about tending the sacred garden of our soul and spiritual matters, there's, there's no dogma associated with what you're talking about. Is that, is that a correct statement? Dogma is reserved for desperate people seeking interpretive models of something that is beyond interpretation. Yet it served uh, the control motives of large uh, groups of people throughout history. And, so like large religious organizations might be an example. Mm, correct. Any, any, any other person that tells somebody else what to do and how to live uh, is full of themselves. In in your work, you you develop this foundation, the heart of the healer foundation. What is that? What what is the purpose of that foundation? Well, that is uh, 
one of the final expressions of what my dharma is on this planet, if I, we could put it that way. Uh, uh, you know, I was received a bequest by Don Celso Rojas to bring these traditions to the northern regions of the planet. And I fulfilled that by establishing these apprenticeship series of the Pachacuti Mesa. All this was done without, that's why I've never written a book before, because I'm, I had to do this as an oral transmission. Always. Well, that's really your tradition is more the oral. It's hard to put it down in writing in a book between pages in a book. E- exactly. And so th- the heart of the healer is T-H-O-T-H, Thoth. Like the thrice great Hermes Trismegistus, which goes back to the Egyptian mysteries. To it, it, it is definitely linked to the Imhotep, the architect and the bringer of wisdom of the Egyptians, to the scribe Thoth, the recorder, of and and also has to do with the five directions of the Mesa. T H O T H, trusting soul, honoring spirit, opening heart. Transforming Mind, Healing Body, T-H-O-T-H. So the wisdom of the celestial being Thoth is infused in the practice of the Pachaguti Mesa, all the way from a personal individual expression to a organizational birth such as the Heart of the Healer. I have one question about the uh, Pachacuti Misa tradition and about when you describe in your book how to lay it out and how to actually do it. Can, can people feel through, through your book and in your detailed description, can they feel a connection, a kind of apprenticeship without actually being with you? Well, that's the purpose of this, to have a system of transformation and of healing at the personal and planetary level that does not necessitate a physical teacher. By practicing it the way it's outlined, you will plug in to the Aurya Katana, the golden chain of initiates, and be able to draw from that the guidance so whether I'm evacuated to Ganymede or wherever there I cross over in physical and whatever, the tradition itself, the practice itself, will keep our tribe together. Don Oscar, thank you so much for being with us today. I just appreciate so much all that you bring to our listening audience. It's an honor, Justine. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I've been here with Don Oscar Miro Quesada, and I'm going to spell his name, Oscar Miro, M-I-R-O dash Q-U-E-S-A-D-A, Don Oscar Miro Quesada. And if you'd like to know more about his work, you can go to the website heartofthehealer.org, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. He's the co-author with Bonnie Glass Coffin of Lessons in Courage, Peruvian Shamanic Wisdom for Everyday Life. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us in New Dimensions Radio. Please do join us again.
This is program number 3479. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.